Coming up on the WAC podcast, more coaching changes to talk about. It's a couple of WAC coaches have gone on to some Power 5 schools and a coaching legend within the league retires. And we'll have plenty to talk about with baseball. we got some more big wins and softball. The Masters is this week. We're going to have Tony Jones and Demetrius House in studio this week next on the WAC podcast. Welcome to the WAC podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Kendra Sheehan is out this week. We have Tony Jones sitting in in our first segment. Tony, welcome back to the show. Always good to have you in studio. I say, it's it's hard to believe. It feel like it was just yesterday <laughs> that we, we, we was with you here. It was kind of when I started to hear back in the conference back last summer. So I time know. has flown by. <laughs> it has. And uh, now we're well established here in Arlington. Uh, officially moved in September. We had the mayor over and Arlington, this hotbed of all kinds of stuff going on. We had the Taylor Swift concert last week. We had opening day for the Texas Rangers. I know you had a chance to go over to Globe Life Field, check them out. And also we we had the women's Final Four going on, men's Final Four not too far away in Houston. So now that uh, basketball is over, Maybe a chance to take maybe take a step back, kind of reflect on the season. You're the men's basketball guru here in the WAC, and uh, one thing we did talk about on our last show, Mark Madsen had just accepted the job at Cal. So obviously Utah Valley uh, going to be looking for a new head coach, and the Wolverines had that great run in the NIT, and and even though didn't make the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, maybe a, as good a season as they've had at the Division One level, without a doubt. And I, you know, I I know that you all have talked about it throughout the year. Was the resume seeding system coming into play this year? What was that going to look like by the end of the year? How do you not seed a tournament based on traditional standings? Like what 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 was all of that about? And as we, you know, got to the point of where you you had your regular season champion in men's and women's basketball in this conference, not as the number one seed right. to the outside world. I think that caught a lot of people off guard. But when you then saw Utah Valley making their run and you see Southern Utah, who was not the top seed, do what they did in the women's tournament, it showed that, you know, that it, it no different really than a traditional seeding in your traditional standings, because we would have been in a, a similar boat in, in some of these cases that the league was just deep on both sides. And from men's basketball in particular, GCU as a five, they they were in the mix as a top four all year in the resume seating system, kind of slipped to the five spot at the end of the year and had to play that extra game as a result. But that team played like a team who was a top four throughout our tournament and gave a great showing against Gonzaga in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So again, if that's your fifth seed in the tournament and that's what you're getting out of them, you're getting a great performance all week in Las Vegas and right. you get that performance in Denver against Gonzaga showed the quality of the men's side this year, handful of 20 win teams. I know we, we'd put something out about that. And it, really it's, it's hard for us, I think here in the league and, and for the members to say, you know, reflecting on the changes, as you mentioned, coach Madsen, uh, coach Hooten making the, the jump here for, for two teams who are exiting the conference, but still a change. Nonetheless, coach Kellogg from, Stephen F. Austin on right. the women's side. As much as we hate to see it, I think that just further legitimizes basketball in general in this conference. When the bigger programs and these so-called Power Five leagues, it's not Power Five is not a thing in basketball, but the leagues are still what they are. When they come looking for that head coaching talent out of the league, you hate to see them leave. But I think, again, it validates kind of what we're talking about here of the quality of the programs in this conference for sure. 
Yeah, and Coach Madsen, he's a guy, got a chance to know him a little bit over the last few years, and uh, he replaced Mark Pope, who went to BYU. So Jared Sumption has a pretty good track record of, of finding these guys. Mark Madsen had no uh, collegiate head coaching experience prior to Utah right. Valley. He was in the mix for the BYU job, uh, had been an assistant with the Lakers most recently before becoming the Utah Valley coach. So, you know, was coaching LeBron, um, obviously played with Shaq and Kobe, and now goes on to Cal, which, um, you know, I was a little surprised by that being a Stanford guy going yeah. to the rival. And there was a lot of school of thought that Madsen was going to wait for that Stanford job whenever yeah. that became open that he might go over there. But it's hard to pass up, you know, a Power Five job and and especially in an area that he's from and sure. and all that good stuff so uh just wish nothing but the best for him but it'll be interesting to see who jared sumption and the folks at utah valley come up with next because i think mark madsen kind of came out of nowhere for them last time for sure and like you said sometimes there's there's no real rhyme or reason to it you you find the right person at the right time again uh, someone like coach madsen with his player background and you could tell that that his players really played hard for him. And that's a guy who's not so far out of pro ball. I think he still related a lot with those kids and it showed throughout the season. And, you know, I think that's, that's maybe what it comes down to. It's not somebody who necessarily has 20 or 30 years of experience that you're, you're bringing in. It could be somebody like him. Who's, who's not too far removed from his, his own career. So yeah, definitely a tall task at hand for, for Utah Valley with this momentum that they're still riding. But, you know, I, again, it, it's it's been done, as you said, recently in the past, and things kind of seem to go back on the upswing for them rather quickly. So seems like the track record is there, too. It, it doesn't take too much for them to get the right infrastructure in place at Utah Valley to get things back rolling. And the, uh, the WAC finishes up 11th. In the country, uh, I believe Conference USA was number 10, and we saw Conference USA, both teams in the NIT yeah. final and a team in the final four. So uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, like, you see a team like Florida Atlantic, why why couldn't that be a Utah Valley or a Grand Canyon exactly. or a, a school within the WAC? You just never know. You get hot at the right time. Um, I, I think there's probably most people think Florida Atlantic was misseeded yeah. as a nine, um, especially as well as they played all year. but. You just never know when when you catch uh, lightning in a bottle. Connecticut wins the national championship. Um, <laughs> the last team to beat Connecticut was New Mexico State last year in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So the the WAC representative, and also uh, watching the national championship the other night, Darion Trammell from San Diego State now, but played two three years at Seattle U was. Our preseason player of the year was a, an all-whack performer. And with the transfer portal, you see a lot of people, especially if they have one year left, you know, go, go to another school. But uh, interesting to, to see him and, and what he can do on a national stage. And we watched him do that for several years here in the WAC. Yeah. And that's, you know, Commissioner Thornton has, has hit with that with the resume seating system on the men's side in particular is, as you said, just get in the tournament. You never know what's going to happen. You come in as one of those lower seeds. It is going to be tougher to to get your your way through if you're playing a, a team that's I should say higher seed. If you come in as a higher seed and are playing a lower seeded team, certainly a tough way to start. But you know, get in the mix. As we said, Grand Canyon. I, I fully believe had they not had to play that initial round in Las Vegas, I think they would have had their legs under them a bit more. Even so, in that game was. Gonzaga. They still played them tough, played them to the end, 
But you could tell that was a long week and a half for that program to have to play that extra game, to play some really competitive games, especially once we got to the Orleans. It was nothing came easy for them that week. So it's, you know, it's all about, as you said, getting in there. And and that's, I think, is the seating system grows and things like that. It's opening up opportunity for our programs. I know a, a big focus has been adding more division one games to that non-conference right. schedule. And that's been something that's, I know been, been a focus the last few years. And you saw that this year had it, that number continues to shrink as we go by. And I, I think that the teams are seeing the value, seeing how that seating system played out for the first year of, you know what, I'm going to try to maybe schedule more regionally in division one, keep our net up, keep our strength of schedule up for the conference in general. And you never know with that number 11, that's a great spot to be at for the first year of this. But I, I know for a fact that the goal is to can you continue creeping that higher into that top 10. And when you see, you know, kind of your peers who are, who are around you, Conference USA, as you mentioned, who's at that next level. But according to that metric, not much. And right. they had these teams in the mix. You know, the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga being the flagship up seven or eight. Like that, that's great company to be in. And that's a quite frankly, exactly where this conference should be with peers like that. So very exciting to kind of think of that moving forward next year. Again, there's going to be changeover with the coaches, some of the players on, on these rosters within our league, unfortunately, are, are, as you said, the portal is a whole new, <laughs> whole new kind of thing. And it's, it's adding another element to it. And I think uh, a lot of the familiar faces we've gotten used to the last year or so in particular, based on some of these changes, just based on other opportunities, it could be a very new looking league next year with players leaving but it also could be a very new league with players coming in. So you right. just never know. And the Utah Valley, a perfect example of that, where we saw Fardaz Amak, who had been WAC Player of the Year, transfers to Texas Tech. Unfortunately for Fardaz, he gets injured, doesn't have the year he's expecting. That opens up a spot for Aziz Bandego to come in and really didn't uh, play a whole lot at Akron before he came in. Uh, you know, just has an outstanding season and one of the block leaders in the nation. I think he finished fourth in the nation yeah. in, in blocks. Utah Valley as a team leads the nation in block shots this year. So you just never know. You know, one door opens, a, one door closes, another door opens, as, as, as they always say. Absolutely. Um, speaking of coaches, uh, before we get on to, to baseball, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Pete Fewing, uh, the legendary men's soccer coach at Seattle U. He's, he's won national championships there at different levels. He left, he came back. Uh, every time you go to Seattle, he's he's a guy that is a delight to talk to. He always has all the time in the world for interviews and those kind of things. He has decided to uh, step down. Um, he's going to remain at Seattle U and the administration. And then they uh, went ahead and promoted their uh, assistant coach for, for Pete Fewing, uh, Nate Dalagon. Uh, and that looks to be, you know, always one of the top men's soccer programs in the nation and uh, just wish all the the best for Pete Fewing. He's not going anywhere, I guess, but um, at the same time, I, I was a little surprised to, to see this happening. I, you know, a lot of times these things happen behind closed doors, but um, just knowing how much he loves coaching and being around soccer. Yeah, and it's, as you said, it's great that he's going to remain at Seattle. That's a great resource for, for them to have, not only in the soccer program, but as you said, someone who's spent so much time there in their department, uh, you know, in his new role in the I guess the upper administration of the athletic department will be invaluable, but I, I can at least think of it from our, our conference and the fact that he is still in the mix, you know, that, that would be, you know, that I think for us as a conference is a great thing because that's someone who knows this league, who's maybe not necessarily in the, you know, day to day as it was or, or in the, that grind of being a coach anymore. So that's, I think, 
could be invaluable to to our coaching members who are still here because he does have those relationships with some of the longer term folks. I, I think that that could be kind of nice for them to maybe have somebody who's still plugged in, but yet has taken that that step back a little bit. That he could be a great resource to not only our coaches but to to other folks here at our our conference staff. So and he was also working it with the Seattle Sounders as their analyst uh, for for their games uh, there and and has great connections within the MLS, which. As you know, being our, our men's soccer contact, that's traditionally in the last 10 years, men's soccer has been the strongest sport in the WAC in terms of regularly getting two teams into the NCAA tournament. And a lot of times it was Seattle U. I think he had some streak every other year winning the conference yeah. title, something like that. <laughs> but uh, wish nothing but the best for uh, Coach Fewing. Uh, moving on to baseball, which now we're – not too far away. I mean, we're in April. Hard to believe. So <laughs> next month is the WAC tournament yes. in uh, Mesa, Arizona at the Ho-Ho Camp Stadium, a great facility to have this tournament. It's, uh, it's a little uh, – it's going to be a, an interesting race down the home stretch here because some teams that are, you kind of pencil in every single year – that are going to be in the WAC tournament, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at Sacramento State right now. Tournament starts today. Of course, it's early, but uh, would not be in the tournament right now. Yeah, it's getting really close for some of those teams trying to get into that top eight. You look to the top half at, at a team like Sam Houston, who's played a great schedule all year. They're 18 and 12 overall. That's not indicative of how good of a team that is, because when you look at their WAC record, they've won every series thus far, and they're 10 and 2 overall in conference play. But you look at some of the teams that they've been playing throughout the year; mm-hmm. they've really been challenging themselves. And that's going to happen when you're playing some of these competitive games in the early going and some of these midweeks. I, it's been crazy to see. We're talking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games after weekend series, playing quality name opponents both at home and on the road throughout this conference so uh, again like I said that 10 and 2 to me stands out more than 18 and 12 overall I think that 10 and 2 is more indicative of where Sam is at the top at this point Abilene Christian at 7 and 2 right behind them Grand Canyon at 8 and 4 as the third team again both of those teams have uh, if you go down their schedule yeah just, they've, it, they've really challenged yeah, themselves challenging themselves yeah. every time out and I you know again it's not going to be maybe from the outside looking in as it gets to tournament time and you're looking towards selections when you put the rpis together you put the overall records together is it going to hurt these teams a little bit potentially just because it's not the flashiest record it's not single digit losses it's nothing like that but i think it's going to make for a very fun tournament in mesa because looking at it right now i I can't really tell you who's going to be the favorite going in it's most likely not going to be even one of those top seeds just based on how competitive everybody has been with the outside non-conference schedule and as these series have begun like I said even at 10 and 2 for Sam Houston winning those series they've had to work really hard to win those series to get to this point so very competitive but that's all you can ask for at this point in time and all we can hope is that everyone kind of continues to raise each other's game and keep bringing those general numbers up and get that second team in as well. Well, the notable win Sam Houston's had, they beat in Kansas State, they beat in Iowa, University of Houston, and Illinois. Uh, and you mentioned the top three teams, and, and what they all have in common is they all have challenged themselves in the in the non-con. ACU with wins over Oklahoma, Baylor, and Nebraska. And last week, Baylor and Nebraska together, right? They beat, yeah. beat them in the same week. Uh, Grand Canyon, of course, opened with that win over number two ranked Tennessee and also beat Ohio State and Gonzaga. But Sam Houston, going back to their wins, going to Grand Canyon, winning two out of three in some very tightly contested games, 
I don't know when we get to the final, you know, when we're putting teams in their rankings, but that could be a big one that comes out is Sam Houston having that advantage over Grand Canyon. Yeah, you're looking at it right now. It's a, it's a two-game kind of spread there separating those teams, and you hit it right there. Those two games are, are kind of the difference. And, you know, we talk a lot about Grand Canyon across all their sports. Atmosphere comes up. And it's quality teams throughout their sports. But just playing there is unlike anything else really in this conference, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, you're, you're getting their best shot when, when you go to their campus and you're getting an atmosphere that a lot of teams don't see. Tennessee, you said it, number two in the country. They kind of had a rough start of it there and, and dropped a bit. But as you look at the rankings, they've kind of stabilized out and are having their normal success that they do leading into to the SEC play at, at the start of this year. And they kind of, kind of, re uh i guess kind of reassessed and, and reset from there but that initial week was a little rough for them and part of that was playing at gcu in, in that opening uh mlb classic out in arizona where there was games on mlb network and all mm-hmm. of that and it was a really big showcase and for gcu to step out like that at the start was a was kind of a great start for the league and as i said again 17 and 11 overall they are as we're recording here today but that's, again, it's not indicative of how good of a team that Grand Canyon is. They have played named teams throughout their schedule. And as I said, you're going to get wins in some of those games. You're going to get losses playing a schedule like that. But really talented lineup. Two of their hitters. We have five guys right now in the league, as we're recording, who are yeah. over 400 hitting. And two of them are in that Grand Canyon lineup hitting one one and three, one and two, depending on how they do their order. So those those are two of the guys at the top of your order on one team. I mean, that, that tells you the firepower they have and their ability to score on anybody to score a lot on anybody. So they're, they're a team that I'm not sure, you know, whether they wind up sitting there at third, if they work their way up, even if they fall a little further and somehow wind up kind of outside of that top four, there's nobody in that tournament who's going to want to see them. That's just a deep lineup, veteran lineup, and they're going to be a tough out for anybody in that tournament. And when we get to the tournament as well, of course, pitching, and the deeper your pitching staff is that that really is probably the best thing going into that tournament that's going to help you win. And if you have a starter that can go seven, eight innings, eat up innings and, and not have to dig into the bullpen too early. And we saw that happen with Grand Canyon last year, although New Mexico State turned around and went on this magical run as the the, the lowest seed winning the tournament. But for Grand Canyon this year, you mentioned their big two hitters as far as batting average goes this year. Jacob Wilson, uh, a lot of talk about him being a first-round pick in the MLB draft this year. Of course, his dad, Jack Wilson, played in the majors. He's got a target on his back. Everybody knows yeah. that he's he's going to be this, you know, probably a high pick in the draft. He's hitting uh, the numbers I have here, 465. Uh, you know, right up there with uh, Tyler Davis from Sam Houston, who's also a great story because, uh, as I uh, believe this is his first year for Tyler Davis as a full-time position player, that he was a pitcher and he's kind of switched over to position player. Now he's hitting 472 as a position player. Uh, The other guy for GCU is Homer Bush, who's, of course, his dad played in the majors as well, and he was our player of the week, uh, Ticket Smarter player of the week after, what, he had 600 this this past week. Yeah, 600. I think he scored eight runs uh, over four games which included a midweek with Arizona last week and then a, another series win for for Grand Canyon in a really challenging series so against Utah Valley so yeah I think it, it's no it's no secret that that those two guys maybe in particular maybe more so than really anybody else on that Grand Canyon team sort of have that target because of 
their pedigree and because again it's just kind of in their bloodline of hey that's you know they they've seen they were younger but they've seen kind of what that life is like in the big leagues and you know have that that counsel at home of hey you know there's someone you know dad can tell me exactly <laughs> what it was like to play at the highest level of, of pro ball and you know as you said with Jacob Wilson I think it's it's pretty much known by everybody that I would be shocked if he is not a first round pick he seems to be a consensus on everybody's list and he's lived up to it. I think that's right. been the greatest thing is you come in with that target on your back, co-player of the year in the conference preseason, these draft expectations, and he's hitting almost 500 halfway through the year. I mean, it's it's been it's been great to watch him play. He plays great in the field for them as well. Yeah, I, that's excellent I, defender. I would yeah, say I think yeah. that's another place where he's going to make a mark. Yeah, hitting, hitting 465 as a shortstop. Yes, that's pretty and good. that's again, you know, I don't think you can you can take anything away from that and and, as and power numbers too power yeah. numbers as well and you know as while we were on it with with abilene christian being up there as well still top five in the country and they have been all year in fielding almost 990 as a team i think they were 986 at last check oh. as a team in fielding percentage just to be at this point of the year and be 985 and above as a team is, is pretty great so that that goes to show i mean seven and two in the league playing solid defense and backing their pitchers up, that that's going to get the job done for sure. Well, if we're going to circle a series to watch this week, and with Easter being on Sunday, the, the series moved to Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Abilene Christian making the trip to Sam Houston, and they play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That uh, will will determine a lot what's happening at the top of the standings. Yeah, great news for Sam Houston as well as we said Jacob Wilson was a co-player of the year in the preseason. Carlos Contreras from Sam Houston, who was a great player for the Bearcats last year, mm-hmm. got off to a slow start this year. And it's, you know, if you read anything about Sam Houston, it's been more or less, admit, yeah, just kind of a slump and, for him. And, and he really missed a going, few games. Missed and, a few games yeah. to start and, and was in a slump. But these last few weeks, it's just been tearing the cover off the ball. I want to say he was at about 470, 472 last week as well and getting that average now up almost to 300 for the year which from from where he'd started kind of when he was slumping at the start that's a that's a really big jump so that's a guy that again you said Tyler Davis has been great uh Joe Redfield has been great in their lineup and now you're getting Contreras going that's again (laughs) as if Sam Houston needed any more help with with where they've been you're now getting arguably their best offensive player he's finding his rhythm and finding his way and it's not easy you know as we've said Will Jacob Wilson is a is a rare case of hey you've got all that expectation on you and he's almost exceeding even what anybody expected that he would do Contreras was kind of maybe the opposite of you never know if that maybe weighed on him of wow that's a lot of expectation to carry in the season but again a veteran player a veteran hitter a talented offensive player finding it at the right time for the Bearcats and as you said a big series this weekend they're sure happy to have his bat heating back up. Yeah, Jacob Wilson reminds me a little bit of Nick Gonzalez a few years ago who was at New Mexico State, also came in projected to be, you know, a top five pick and target on his back and unfortunately that was the COVID year which, uh, you know, everything shut down mid-March but he was already I think 11, 12 home runs (laughs) you know, by that time already and uh, who knows what he would have done had the the season continued but I saw he's at AAA to start the year for the uh, Pirates organization. Uh, you and I were kind of uh, going back and forth on our, our team's messages, trying to figure out who exactly from the WAC is, is still in the majors. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Aaron Judge is a guy who's played in the WAC. And there, there's, you know, Dallas Baptist was in the in the league for a little bit. Colton Wong, second baseman for the Mariners, 
from Hawaii. He played in the WAC, so we were trying to figure out the exact number. Uh, best number we could land on was about nine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, James Outman, a, a guy from Sacramento State who was not a high draft pick, who was not all whack. He, he made the all whack tournament team a few times for Sac State in the lineup for the Dodgers as, yeah. as an outfielder, hit a home run on opening day. And uh, Cal Bradish, uh, a pitcher from New Mexico State, also from that 2018 tournament, uh, starter for the Orioles this year. Tarek Skubal is on the on the injured list to start the year from Seattle U, but he's been in the rotation for the Detroit Tigers the last couple of years. So, uh, whack baseball, and unfortunately, Reese Hoskins is uh, out for the year, having that weird uh, ACL injury, going to to get a uh, foul ball yeah. in, in spring training. But uh, he's been a you know an All Star caliber player for the for the Phillies the last few years. So many many good players. And when we go to Phoenix, and you'll see this Tony and Mesa's uh, a lot of scouts live in Phoenix, and you'll see a lot of guns, uh, a yeah. lot of radar guns there at the tournament as. Actually, the the draft moved though, didn't it? It's in July. It used to be right after the. Yeah, they like they have the adjusted June. it, and it was more so, I think, to to allow for for a bit more of that time for the evaluation period, so that it wasn't running headlong into the NCAA tournament and, and things like that, and and giving these guys a chance to sort of finish up their their business where they may for the college players especially, and they've clipped almost half the draft in terms of rounds yeah, it used yeah. to be a full 50 rounds of the draft <laughs> and it was it got to be kind of tedious that third day on the conference call as you're listening in and i worked in a short season uh minor league mm-hmm. uh league at that time so a lot of those guys by day three were the guys who were going to fill out our roster so we would tune into that conference call and, and you know you're hearing those guys 45th 46th 48th <laughs> round you're like hey these guys are going to be the bulk of our roster. Right. So we at least had an interest in it. And uh, of course they were very excited to be drafted, but even baseball fan at large was like ah, 50 rounds. That's a lot, <laughs> but it's it just, as you said, it goes to show it. It's a, again for, for it would be great to, to add Jacob Wilson to that group of first round picks and to add another first round pick to the league. But you know, pro baseball being how it is, if you get your chance and you, you, you come in as a draftee and even guys who are free agent signees, if you get a chance to get into the minors and work your way up, you, you never know what's going to happen. And it's been great, as you said, to see some guys who've maybe taken kind of that road less traveled and, and worked their way through the systems, make it up to the show. And uh, golf, of course, it's uh, Masters week. So Jim Nance, after calling his final, final, final four, goes over to Augusta. And uh, it's always fun to watch that as a, as a sports fan. And um, me personally, I had a chance to go to Augusta one year. It's a fan, you know. It's right up there with all-time memories. But uh, as far as uh, whack tie-ins, Adam Scott, it's now the 10th year of his anniversary of winning the Masters. He played one year in the whack at UNLV, and he's uh, one guy to watch out for this week. Say a guy who's, who's had a lot of success, and that was kind of the hallmark of his career back in 2013, winning the tournament. And it's real, it, again, uh, obviously we're new here in Texas, but probably some of the the top runners in the tournament this year the top guys in the field texas ties scotty shufflers of the world oh, jordan yeah. spieth has been hot as a texas guy guys who are who dallas really, guys too. dallas guys yeah. guys who are in this area guys who've played here when uh the byron nelson was only about 20 minutes or so away in las colinas and it's now at craig ranch a little ways north but big ties here in this general area and again not so much Whack ties, whereas Adam Scott was a direct <laughs> whack tie. But it's, yeah, it's a big week for the sport. And it's kind of a reminder to us that 
that we're kind of on the clock here for a couple of weeks in, in Boulder City for the men and up oh at Semiamu for the women the week prior to that even. So yeah, we're, think, we're uh, getting there. What, what are we, three weeks away yeah. from uh, women's golf at <laughs> Semiamu? So, um, and, and that's always a lot of fun. That's uh, golf. Our golf tournament's always one of my favorite events to to cover and to go to just because it's uh, really the only time these, these schools are going to see each other. Yeah. Um, like, like basketball, these other sports are going to play, you know, each other as, as the season goes, goes along. A lot of times this is their first time even seeing the other golfers at the same tournament. Yeah. What's strange this year, it seems like maybe more so than, than even normal. There's been quite a bit of overlap and I'm starting to wonder as you're saying that if that's been a conscious decision for the coaches of a lot of it is, hey, what field can you get into? Right. What are some of the travel logistics? Who do you have a good relationship with, whether course wise or the host team? But there's been so many. I think there was one tournament on the, the men's and women's side. I think we've had uh, on, on both, actually. Well, there was like four or five of our league teams competing in the same weekend in an event, which, as you said, is so uncommon for how it's historically gone until you get to the tournament right. at the end of the year. So I, I think maybe this year, as compared to some other years, there's going to be some familiarity with one another by the time they get to both of those tournament sites. But still, as you said, very rare, not not real official, I guess, as you'd have a, a conference schedule and some of the other sports in the league. But I, I think for this year in particular, at least, there is going to be some familiar with not only, okay, we know certain coaching staffs and players who've been around for a number of years, they might know the exact uh, lineup who a, a certain conference opponent might be tossing out once they, they get to that conference championship. So will that help you? Not sure. Again, with golf, it, it's kind of you versus the course, even though yeah. there's so many of the factors of, of who you're paired up with or who, uh, who, where you happen to be in the lineup, but it's, it's still you versus the course. But I, I do think that that familiarity might lead to some comfortability once they do get well, to tournament play. We've kind of speculated what's the weather going to be like. Yeah. Of course, Semiamu right up by the Canadian border. Beautiful course, beautiful yes. area. Looking forward to, to seeing that. Uh, CBU, we had our, our their women's golf team did the takeover on our, on our uh, Instagram yesterday. And CBU uh, will be eligible this year for the NCAAs for the championship. And as we've talked about on the podcast this year, all the transitioning teams are eligible for WAC championships, which was not the case last year. CBU was able to compete as individuals, so we didn't have a team score. Of course, people keep, you know, <laughs> unofficial team scores. And I was told uh, CBU actually would have won the tournament yeah. last year had they been eligible for the title. So uh, it'll be fun to have them in the mix now and, and all the other, you know, Utah Tech, Tarleton uh, being being a part of that as well. So, hey, Tony, I want to thank you for taking some time out. I know we got a lot going on here. And uh, we'll, we'll want to have you on before uh, <laughs> before too long again. This was too long of a gap. I know. And it, it was a lot of fun. And we had to cover a lot of ground because it had been so long. <laughs> Shoot, we didn't even get into to football talk as we're starting oh, to look, look ahead. As, we'll, we'll wait till yeah, maybe the summer. I say spring. Spring ball is rolling for everybody, and you know we've got a lot of exciting things here at the conference office that are in the works with yeah, football. Yeah, actually, so. yeah, we'll have some big announcements coming up in the next few weeks, I'm sure. So Absolutely. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk uh, some of the other WAC sports with Demetrius House. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Once again, Kendra Sheehan is out. So we had Tony Jones in our first segment, and they were now joined in studio by Demetrius House. Demetrius, we're not on camera, so I know that that really bums you out. 
Yeah, you know, I like to show my face every once in a while, but it's good to just for everyone to hear my voice instead. Well, here it is. It's April. It's been a been a little while since we had you on the show. Uh, wanted to get caught up, I guess. First off, let's put a bow on women's basketball, which is you're the main contact for that sport. Uh, we, we just had a, a coaching change announced uh, a day or two ago. Stephen F. Austin, who was our top seed, went to the NIT, made a little bit of a run in the in the WNIT. Mark Kellogg has gone on to uh, to West Virginia. So, I mean, congratulations to, to Coach Kellogg, but uh, Ryan Ivey, the AD there, has uh, got, got some big shoes to fill uh, for to, to hire somebody uh, to replace Coach Kellogg. Yeah, again, congratulations to Coach Kellogg, but that just shows that what great basketball we have in our conference, the other conference or other schools are coming to get our coaches or at least interviewing them. Power and, five schools at that. Right. Yeah. Seeing that. Good basketball is coming out of the WAC. I know if everyone missed it, the WAC tournament was something to see. It was. On both sides. And that was your first opportunity to go to, uh, as we call it, WAC Vegas? I was totally – it was a great experience for me. I'm glad I was able to be there, especially as an employee of the WAC. But, yeah, just to be in the atmosphere at the gym, at the Orleans Arena was great. It is, and uh, that's that's why they call it WAC Vegas because you never know what's going to happen there. Uh, Stephen F. Uh, women did lose in the semifinal. Southern Utah was our representative in the NCAA's. Uh, their head coach Tracy Sanders just signed a, a new contract to stay in Cedar City. So good news for them there. They went 16 and two in the WAC, 23 and 10 overall. As we we had four teams from the WAC, Demetrius finished with 20 wins this year. So. It goes to show you, not not too long ago, uh, before you got here, Demetrius, uh, that the women's basketball in the WAC was not as uh, competitive nationally, I would say, as it is now. And now we're seeing Southern Utah, Stephen F., California Baptist, and Grand Canyon all 20-win seasons. So it seems to be headed in the right direction. Yeah, uh, what our commissioner has set forth for all the coaches and schools going forth at we're going to be one of the premier basketball conferences on the men and women's side. No matter who we play, who we face, or who shows up, we're going to be one of the top conferences. And Tony and I talked in the last segment a little bit about the resume seating system on the men's side, uh, getting ranked 11th. I know it was also an improvement on the women's side, uh, but having an opportunity now moving forward, the part of the idea is this to, to schedule tougher opponents and you know have those potential bigger wins. And moving forward, uh, that should bode well for women's basketball as well. Yeah, to do well with our teams adding more Power 5 non-conference games or just, you would say, uh, more top-tier Division 1 yep. non-conference games uh, do a lot for our scheduling and for their positioning when it comes to tournament time. We saw the women's Final Four this past week in uh, Dallas, Texas. I don't know. You seem to be going all over the place, so I don't know if you had a chance to go downtown and see what they had going on at the uh, Women's Final Four this week. Yeah, I drove by, of course, <laughs> since it was in my home city, but, yeah, I didn't get a chance to indulge in it as much as I wanted to. I had so many places to be, you know. <laughs> I am the contract person for anyone, so whoever calls me, I'm ready to go. Well, Kendra and I went down there Thursday, kind of before it got bumping, I think, because uh, there wasn't – you know, they had everything set up, but I think uh, people came in more Friday and Saturday. Uh, Thursday wasn't uh, the, the most hopping uh, day there, but uh, seeing those games and, and seeing the TV numbers that uh, 
I saw LSU and Iowa had the the most watched women's uh, college basketball game of all time. Which that's great. I was actually a little surprised by just because it was not a, a night game. It was Sunday during the day. Right. It was one of those things that I looked at my phone and was like, oh, the game's going on already. I, did, I figured it was tonight. But, uh, but it yeah, was, that game was more than anyone could ask for. Either side had a chance, but, of course, LSU showed their dominance in the end of the game. They did. They did. So, uh, you know, and it's something to be excited for in, in the sport of women's basketball. They also announced the uh, Hall of Fame inductees that will be uh, coming up later this year. And Becky Hammond is uh, is inducted or going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. She, of course, played in the WAC all four years, was a three-time WAC Player of the Year, and is the all-time leading scorer in WAC history, men's or women's, 2,740 points in her career, which was at Colorado State, which was then a member of the WAC. But uh, obviously she's gone on to – be a, a successful coach uh, for the Las Vegas Aces, uh, was an all-star in the WNBA, undrafted, by the way. Uh, she was not drafted coming out of Colorado State and three-time WAC Player of the Year. Interesting. And then she uh, she goes on to uh, be the first uh, female coach in the NBA in terms of, I think, Popovich got thrown out of a game, and, and she was, you know, the, the coach of the She got to step in the for the Spurs. For but uh, just a groundbreaker and, and again, uh, somebody to really point to in the history of whack basketball as, as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, it's good to have those type of representatives from the WAC. Uh, she, of course, had a stellar career in our conference, and it vaulted her into all these positions that she's touching now. Yeah, a uh, little uh, behind the scenes here. I, I used to work in Cheyenne, Wyoming as a reporter, a television reporter, and we got a call from a Rapid City affiliate and said, hey, uh, would you mind uh, doing an interview for us? Uh, with this freshman phenom at Colorado State, and I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll do it." And uh, it was Becky Hammond, so I went down and did an interview with her. She probably doesn't remember it at all. It would be my guess, but I remember it. And uh, she's from Rapid City, South Dakota, from a small town, and and definitely did some big things there. So uh, congratulations to Becky Hammond on being a Hall of Fame. We don't have a ton. Uh, Tiny Archibald played in the WAC. He's in the Hall of Fame. Mel Daniels, uh, he was an ABA All-Star. He made it to the Hall of Fame. He was at New Mexico. Michael Cooper, I believe, got inducted recently, the uh, sixth man from the Lakers yep. in the uh, Magic uh, Kareem days. Showtime. Uh, was, a, was a WAC uh, player in uh, college. So there's, there's a handful of guys. Uh, uh, Tim Hardaway, I think, got inducted last year, played at UTEP when they were in the WAC. So... Uh, add Becky Hammond to that list. Of course, Don Haskins was the coach for that UTEP team that won the national championship. That was uh, before they were in the WAC, but uh, then he coached for a long time in the WAC and is in the Hall of Fame. So uh, obviously a lot to look at there in the uh, Hall of Fame side of things. Uh, softball, how about this, Demetrius? We got, uh, I don't know how much of the season we, we got going, but it's already next month is going to be the, the tournament. Uh, what, April? Uh, just over a month away from today. I mean, you look up and, like you said, softball season has flown by. I mean, of course, with it beginning at the end, coming at the end of basketball season and going into softball and baseball, yeah, we're at least 30-plus games in on some schedules. So, yeah, we got some good play going on in softball. We got uh, Utah Tech and SFA both sitting up top in the conference standings at 6-3. and three. Then you drop down, you got five teams at five and four. Then you got three teams at four and five. I mean, you talk about parity, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we got some good 
good softball play going in. We had North Texas battling Tarleton last night, and Tarleton didn't get the edge, but it was just a good game to play out out of conference. Well, you just mentioned, so you got the five and four teams, four and five. So ten teams uh, are four and five are better in the league. So two of those teams, depending on what the tiebreaker is, wouldn't make the WAC tournament. Uh, one of the new things this year, though, Demetrius, is that Utah Tech and Tarleton are both eligible for the WAC tournament. CBU was not, you know, until this year. They'll be eligible not only for the WAC tournament but for the NCAAs. Utah Tech and Tarleton can both win the tournament, but they would not go on to the NCAAs as they're still transitioning from D2 to D1. But Utah Tech is, is I mean, they're they're on top of the league right now with Stephen F. Austin at 6-3. and three. Stephen F. Austin coming up with a big win uh, last night over Houston. Utah Tech showing their dominance in conference play right now, but seeing how if they possibly make it and win the regular season, they mm-hmm. won't be able to make the postseason. But it still shows that it's good play yeah. coming out of Utah. Yeah, and Utah Tech with wins. Uh, and we have had a number of notable wins in the league uh, this year. They beat Oregon State. They beat Hawaii. And they beat UNLV. Stephen F. Austin, the team they're tied with, had a big win over Ole Miss. And, and we mentioned over Houston uh, just last night. Grand Canyon has that great record. They beat Michigan State. Long Beach State, CBU with wins over Syracuse, Maryland, Wisconsin. Sam Houston beat Texas A&M. So, uh, and then Seattle U beating Iowa State, Minnesota, Fresno State. So... This year, I mean, it's it's parity, but it's also quality parity. Yeah, it's been – and I, not to mention UTA with their win over number 16, Kentucky. Oh, that's right, yeah. And they got wins over Texas Tech, Tulsa, and North Texas as well. But, yeah, across the board, softball is going to be a tough sport to come out of at the end. I mean, right now you got Abilene Christian and Southern Utah bringing up the end, but you never know with these, these games coming up. That's true. And then we have the – WAC tennis tournaments will be happening, I believe, just three weeks from now here in Arlington, Texas, where our headquarters is. Uh, Tony and I will be headed up to Canada pretty much for the women's golf tournament, but you'll be here uh, holding things down for the for the WAC tennis tournaments, men's and women's, and those will be here in Arlington. And we have eight women's teams, six men's teams. It's going to be a lot of tennis going on. A lot of tennis going on. 20-plus matches. Uh, I will say that I'm excited for mm-hmm. tennis this year because I get to be the PA announcer for yep. the entire tournament. So it's going to be interesting. My first time on the mic as a WAC member. There you go. So uh, besides the podcast, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, enjoy- I'm ready for it. Uh, looking forward to see the beautiful facility that they have here in Arlington. And hopefully we have some good matches. And that will be April 27th. 28th and 29th uh, for the WAC tennis tournaments and two matches going on at the same time for for most of that so there's there's a lot of action to take in as we uh man it's hard to believe that uh, we're not going to be too far away from the end of the season in a lot of these sports right uh yeah we talk all the time when it comes to sports. Once you start the first game, the rest of the season pretty much flies by. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it been for all our sports. Like I can thinking to myself, just last week we was at swimming and diving, <laughs> and <laughs> and basketball, basketball, right? and then you go back and we just finished volleyball, soccer. So everything coming up and yeah, wrapping it up here at the end. You got softball, baseball, track, outdoor track and field. 
it's been a great year for WAC yeah. sports. Yeah, that's the outdoor track and field will be happening in the month of May as well. So, hey, Demetrius, uh, appreciate you taking some time out. Uh, you know, we'll have you on hopefully uh, before too long. It seems like it's been too long since we had you on. Yeah, you know, I thought you forgot about me. But, you know, <laughs> I understand Kendra. Everybody loves Kendra wants to hear her voice. So, I totally understand. But, yeah, it's always a pleasure to join you on the podcast. Awesome. Hey, uh, thank you, Demetrius. Thank everybody for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.